The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. <clears throat> if you listen to the most recent episode, you'll know that I made this episode right after that. Uh, and you'll also know that I don't have my laptop in front of me right now because I wanted to force my way through this podcaster's block. And uh, since one of the obstacles was endless uh, research to try to find the perfect Jewish and Stoic texts to match the theme of the episode, uh, I thought it would be good to go to the opposite extreme and to just forget about any text and to just record my thoughts. You'll also know, if you listened to the last episode, that I am currently sick. Uh, Thank God, not uh, horrendously sick. Uh, it is not COVID, or at least it doesn't seem to be COVID. Uh, there's some speculation that it might be RSV. Uh, all I know is that it has, uh, I've had a, uh, what started off as a sore throat and extreme fatigue uh, uh, on uh, Friday and Shabbos and Sunday. And then Monday and today has been, it's moved to my chest. Uh, so coughing with some, uh, some, uh, phlegm type content not to get too graphic uh and still extreme fatigue so um part of the (laughs) i actually just wanted to make this episode so i can kind of talk through my thoughts about being sick um in the framework of uh, stoicism and judaism so i guess first thought is that i at this point at the age of 39 uh know myself better than i did earlier (laughs) And I know what some of the obstacles that I'm going to have to face are when I get sick. And it's not like I get sick very often. I mentioned in the last episode that I haven't really gotten sick since December 2021. Uh, But I know that one of the pitfalls that I uh, potentially can uh, encounter when I'm sick is uh, is negative thoughts at night. Uh, I, (laughs) for all of my episodes about insomnia, I don't typically have insomnia when it comes to falling asleep. The form of insomnia I typically have, which thank God has been less as of late, is waking up in the middle of the night and then tossing and turning. But I know that when I'm sick and I have a hard time falling asleep, usually because of whatever symptoms I have, then I tend to fall into this uh, um, this trap of having negative thoughts uh, about the future. And the thoughts always have to do with not believing in myself and uh, thinking that my own deficiencies and, and uh, failings are going to lead to, um, you know, to <laughs> failure. Um, and this is unusual for me because, um, you know, again, I'm very grateful to Hashem that I am not typically plagued by negative thoughts. Uh, I owe, I think, a great deal of this to the the uh, my mom's side of the family, to the Chang family, uh, particularly uh, Popo, who was a very positive person, and Gungung, my grandfather. Popo was my grandmother, and Gungung was my grandfather, who uh, had this very, I guess, um, what's the the proper noun adjective? Um, quixotic, very Don Quixote type optimism slash like 
blindness <laughs> to the odds uh, that contributed to him just thinking he can do things, uh, and then and then setting out to do them, and then usually, uh, you know, because of uh, of of that uh, gumption, uh, then accomplishing a lot more than uh, than people would have bet on. So I I feel like that's kind of in my blood, um, in my nature and my nurture, and. So I, I typically I'm not played with self doubt. So that's I think that makes it uh, it always feels like a foreign uh, enemy. Actually, no, I should say I should say this. I think for many years when I would have these thoughts when I would be sick and having a hard time going to sleep, I think I would believe these thoughts because I was not accustomed to regarding them as a uh, as a uh, as a double agent, you know, as a as a uh, a foreign enemy on uh, on native soil. And so that would make me believe them even more. Um, but I think now I have more of an awareness that uh, that that is not uh, that those are not reliable thoughts. In fact, the muscle that comes to my mind, and I, I might have said this before, comes from the the Christopher Nolan movie um, Memento, uh, back when Christopher Nolan made good movies. And for those who don't know the plot, Memento is about a guy who has a condition where he can't form new memories. So he basically like every uh you know every few minutes forgets everything except for his long-term memories and then he has to like reorient himself so one of the techniques that he uses is he writes notes to himself he takes polaroid photos and then writes captions on them uh he tattoos really important information on his body so that he can like see it so uh there is a uh, this is not a spoiler there's a scene uh early on the movie goes in reverse chronological order so uh, maybe the whole movie is a spoiler <laughs> i don't know but um he uh, he comes to you know he comes out of his amnesia state or whatever and he sees this photo of another character and uh, it says uh, this is Teddy don't believe his lies you know and the whole thing is that because he can recognize his own handwriting because the main character recognizes his own handwriting he knows that he wrote this and he knows that he can trust himself more than anyone else so soon after seeing this photo then then Teddy comes along and Teddy uh, you know is uh, you know says hey and he's acting all friendly. But the main character knows that he can't believe his lies. So whenever I find myself confronted with these thoughts late at night when I'm coughing, um, and there are these thoughts about about how is next year going to go, you know, am I like, you know, the imposter syndrome thoughts come, you know, do I really have anything to offer uh, to the world uh, as a teacher or as someone who uh, who knows anything about Judaism, you know, um, like, you know, all, all these thoughts. I'm not going to go into detail about what they are, but, you know, thoughts of that nature then I immediately think of that line from Memento and I say, this is Teddy, don't believe his lies. You know, this is the Itahara, this is the sickness speaking, don't believe his lies. And I think like a muscle, I have, uh, I've been able to strengthen it by exercising it. And, you know, I was actually very surprised, maybe it's because it's been a while since I've been sick, that these last couple nights when I've been struggling to fall asleep and these thoughts have intruded, I will just tell myself, like, you know that these thoughts are false. Just push them out of your head and wait till morning. And in the morning, you realize that these are ridiculous. And I've been able to successfully do it by willpower alone. And I think that this is one of the the um, domains of skill that I appreciate stoicism more than Michelet. I mean, Michelet obviously is my favorite, uh, but uh, you know, Michelet focuses more about uh, on on thinking about the consequences of your decisions and uh, and then allowing that to shift your thinking and your feelings. Stoicism often involves um, 
you know, elements of cognitive behavior theory of examining the contents of your thoughts and identifying the uh, the mistakes. You know, Mishley does that also, but Mishley does it indirectly. Stoicism, I found, does it directly. And realizing that this is like a foreign voice in my head that has nothing to do with reality makes it a lot easier to to uh, to maintain control over what I am thinking and feeling. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt that I was uh, I, I recalled when I was thinking about this uh, from Tara Brach from uh, her book, which I guess is safe to say is my least favorite of her books, called Trusting the Gold, but this was a good excerpt. So she says, real but not true has become a valued tool for me and for, my, for many students I work with. When I'm caught in an unpleasant mood, irritated, anxious, or depressed, I ask myself, what am I believing? Usually I find I've, lo I've locked into some sense of being deficient or of falling short. Then I'll remind myself, real but not true. Yes, these are real thoughts and real feelings, but is it really true that something's wrong with me? Even just the inquiry, is this really the truth? Might this be real but not true? Shakes the solidity of the belief. There's more choice. I don't have to believe the beliefs. Remembering this mantra offers space around the tight and fearful thoughts just enough so that I can find my way back to presence. And that is very, very much in line with the uh, excerpt from Epictetus in the Enchiridion in the handbook, which I've read many times and also in the discourses. Again, I don't have my laptop in front of me, so I'm just going to paraphrase this about questioning impressions. You know, when, when you're confronted by an impression, which is this, you know, the version of reality that's presented to you by your imagination, fueled by your desires and fears, you should question and say, hold off one second impression. Are you really what you uh, purport to be? And you should recognize that you're just an impression and that you can choose what impressions to, to, uh, to have. So I think that's lesson number one that has been, uh, that has been on my mind since I've become sick uh, in these past couple of days, which is that you, know, you have to know thyself, but know thy sick self. And, uh, and I think just getting to know myself over these past years about how I think when I'm sick, I know that I'm going to be prone to these thoughts when I'm trying to fall asleep, and I know that I can ignore them because these are not reflective of reality. And the more I know this and the more I practice it, the easier it is to ignore these thoughts. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is the flip side of that, which is knowing what I can do to make myself uh, feel better. So even though I was very tired yesterday, and uh, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, so yesterday was Monday. Um, I made the decision. I was tired. I was groggy headed. I tried to write and I couldn't write. I, uh, I thought maybe I should not teach my Monday night Michelin year, which I've been teaching over the summer, but I decided to do it. And the main reason I decided to do it. Yeah. There were these secondary reasons of, you know, um, you know, if you don't do it, you're going to be depriving people of Torah. And, uh, and like you made a commitment to do it. All these, uh, all these like ego related thoughts, which, uh, which, uh, you know, have their, their validity, but that, those are not the real reasons. The thing that made me, uh, the, the, the factor that made me decide to give the shear was I know that as soon as I start giving shear, I'm going to get into a flow state and it's going to improve my mood for that hour and a half. And that's going to improve my mood for the rest of the night and possibly for the next day, you know, because I know myself and I know that as soon as I start teaching, I get into a good mood. And I know that even though I'm not feeling that mood right now, if I can put myself into that state, like jump into the pool, then I will, uh, it'll change my thoughts and change the color of everything. So that is the flip side of realizing that I have a certain amount of mastery over the contents of my own mind. 
And you just got to know yourself and, uh, and know what you need to do to get yourself back in that mood. For some people, it might be exercising. For some people, it might be like uh, listening to music, you know. Um, for some people, it might be, uh, you know, like not doing anything. Uh, but for me, it's giving cheer. And so I did that and it worked. So that was, that was lesson number two, that I can have a positive influence over my mood uh, uh, by, by pushing those buttons. Um, I think the third Stoicism, Judaism insight that I've gotten from this bout of sickness is something that, oddly enough, you know, I think the time I need to hear it the least is during the summer. But whatever, I can't control when this happens. Um, but the thought is it's okay to slow down and not be productive. Um, you know, for these past couple of days, I just have not been productive. Um, I have not been writing. Uh, I have not been learning that much. Um, and I've just more than not being productive. I've felt not productive and that upsets my ego and upsets my productive, uh, the parts of myself that drive me to be productive. But I think that that's good for me to realize to be forced into a state where I, I just can't do things. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's this irrational fear that, oh, I'm just going to slack off and I'm going to be lazy and like they're going to be, it's going to turn to a trend. But again, I know myself enough now to know that that's not going to be the case. I, I'm, my personality is too hardwired to be productive. And as soon as I'm feeling better, I'm going to go back into the productivity. And it's not the end of the world if I, uh, if I, you know, let's say I decide to not give Sheer that night. Or let's say I, just, I, I am not able to get together an article for this uh, Friday. What's the big deal? Like, it's okay. It is okay. The world is not going to fall apart. I'm not going to be a failure if I, uh, if, uh, if that happens. And I think for me to be forced to confront that is a very good thing. So that was another benefit that I've had from, uh, from this recent bout of illness. So again, this is, uh, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> here comes my apology. <laughs> Part of the block that I've had for, um, for the Stoke Jew podcast is I feel the need to like make these elaborate presentations and essentially give a sheer on these topics and, and marshal all the sources and analyze them and stuff. But I realized that's not why I started this in the first place. The reason why I started this is so I can think aloud my Stoic Jew thoughts and articulate them for my own benefit. And I hope that they will be a benefit to others as well, but they're primarily for me. And I don't need texts to do that. Like, yes, you know, there is a big element of learning the actual texts uh, and, uh, and mining them for the ideas, but, but, you know, the, the, the real uh, arena is the arena of real life. And in real life, you don't always have the, the books with you or you don't always have your laptop open and you just have to like process the thoughts as they come. And that's uh, what I'm doing in this, uh, in this episode. So, um, I, I, yes, I realize the irony. The irony is that in this state of sickness, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my throat is, uh, is definitely now hurting and I got to stop soon. But the irony is that I'm forcing myself to be productive, uh, by talking about my lack of productivity but that's me and I got to embrace that as well. So um, hopefully you've gained from this episode. Um, again, I don't have my laptop in front of me, so I don't have the outro. Something about how, um, uh, what am I supposed to say? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is genuine, but thank you so much to all my supporters through Patreon, through my paid Substack subscribers and through my sponsors. Uh, you make it possible for me to make Torah um, available and accessible to everyone. And uh, I'm going to need that support more than ever this coming year when I uh, am preparing to take a major financial hit uh, by the uh, career decisions that I've made, which I still have yet to announce publicly. Uh, but that is uh, that is this episode. So um, thank you for listening. And uh, I hope this has been valuable. And uh, hopefully you'll hear another episode soon, but we'll see what happens.